new drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of adept, multi-talented journalists covering hockey in, and uh, in Denver. And Ryan Bolding is about as versatile as you can get, and has has uh, done a terrific job of delivering hockey coverage for NHL.com, Colorado Hockey Now, and even Mile High Sports Saturday Noon Hockey Show. So it's time for the lead. <laughs> The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. So we go out to the netherworld with uh, Ryan Bolding. And what did we learn from that game last night? Oh, for me, I learned that the crowd in Denver is very, very, very loud. <laughs> you think it's loud everywhere, though? I don't know. I don't know if it is loud everywhere. I just want to hear a player say uh, the crowd wasn't very good. <laughs> that would be the day, wouldn't it? Yeah. The team would be for sale the next day, I think. <laughs> I just want to hear the crowd sing the na-na-na-na part of all the small things. Can we hear it? Can you do it for us? I, I, would, never, I would never be caught dead doing it. Well, Ryan, most importantly, have you learned the song yet? Because you gotta, I know you impressed Roe, but when the song comes on, you got to take those, you know, rules away of being silent, man. You got to you know, sing along, man. You know all the uh, the lyrics yet? Oh yeah, I love that <laughs> song. I was a Blink fan back when it was uh, cool to be a Blink fan. It may have not even been cool to be a Blink fan back when I started, but I'm a big fan of the song. I love it. I love that they had Mark Hoppus, the the bass player, and one of the singers tease it for the building, and the crowd was rocking last night. You were part of the drama to be around Darcy Camper on Media Day, and then. Uh, last night after the game when he kind of alluded to the fact that he might have fibbed to, fibbed to us a little bit about when he was told he was going to be the starter in game one. Do you think he was the right choice, and how do you think he played? I do. I go back to the same thing that Jay Woodcroft did with Mike Smith in that Edmonton series, which is, you know, the man got us here, and we're going to stick with him until it makes sense not to. And so it wasn't a surprise to me that Darcy started, I think, you know, it was kind of one of those secrets where we all really knew the answer, but Jared Bednar maybe played a little more coy than we expected. But, uh, you know, John Cooper at his press conference pregame uh, had everybody joking about how didn't we all know who the starter was already? <laughs> well, you made a good point on that one. What, what, what would you think? Obviously, you saw how, um, you know, Darcy Kemper played last night. How would you grade him? If you would go from A to F, how would you grade him and his performance last night? And... A second one on that one. How much? How long of a leash would you give Darcy Kemper in the Stanley Cup final? Well, that's a great question. I would go with my grade as being, I would say, like a solid B, B plus. I think uh, the first goal um, was a little bit of a, a, a fluke where the who was it? Nick Paul lost yeah. the puck yep, yep, yep. and then just got a little bit uh, enough touch back on it to send it kind of caroming toward the net, and it was enough to throw Darcy off in his slide. I think if he has been playing regularly, if he's healthy um, prior to that, if they don't have eight days off, that's probably something he stops pretty easily. But I can't really blame him for anything going on. Jared Bednar was quick to defend him post game. All the players, you know, they heap love and praise on him 
as far as the leash goes, uh, I saw an interesting stat that if the, the trend continues that Kemper and Francois could have the worst save percentage of a tandem to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup ever, um, which is interesting. Uh, and it speaks to the way that the team plays in front of them. So I would say, you know, if, if he faltered in back-to-back games or had a really bad game too, I would probably change gears to Francois. But it would also depend on how the team's playing in front of them. If you got a, a, a team that's just not performing, I don't know that any goalie fixes that. There are no Chico Resch and Billy Smith. No. So yeah. Last night they got they got a combined one point from Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr, and they won the game. And we're sitting here wondering about the the, the quality and long term capability of the goaltending. I look at it and say they 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 it's another example of a night that. In some ways, they were not on. They didn't get big contributions from the Stars, and they still won. In this case, it always seems to, in many cases, one of the beauties of this team is they win on the nights they're not particularly good, especially in January, that run where where they just managed to find ways to win. They're playing with the, the uh, first or second best team in the NHL last night. They found ways to win. That speaks so much to the depth and the way that guys have stepped up. I think JT Comfer has looked like one of the best players in the last three, maybe four games um, for this team. And you've got the depth guys contributing. You've got a guy like Burakovsky who can go from um, not looking great, being out of the lineup, coming back into the lineup, getting hurt, being out of the lineup, coming back in, and then making a huge contribution like that. And on the other side, you know, without the, with the exception of that Kucherov-Palat goal, which was incredible, I mean, a lot yeah. of that, their top players were noticeably absent. I think I only noticed Steven Stamkos on the ice twice in that whole game. And the second time he was obviously noticeable, and the first time is because he, was make, he gave a puck away. So uh, Kucherov has a really bad giveaway on their power play there. He throws the puck right to Landeskog for an easy clear. Um, and then the next shift he has is a really nice goal. Um, but it, I think it speaks to the depth of both teams and really the depth of Colorado that if McKinnon and McCarr and the, you know those guys aren't going, that there are other players who are more than capable of picking up the slack or at least finding the space to contribute. Well, the way to retrench would be if they got Kadri and Cagliano back, I understand, or, and heard uh, Jared Bednar today say he was a little hopeful, that, a little more hopeful. They've made some progress. They they're hopeful they might play in this series. What do you think? I know they skated today on the kind of an optional practice, and both with sticks with Sean Allard, Allard, Sean Allard, and uh, I think it's interesting. I still feel like it's a bit of gamesmanship. How how good is a cadre that can barely hold the stick? If you can't take face off draws and he's not on the power play, all he can be is defensive. Yeah. That's exactly it, and maybe he he serves a purpose like Drysaddle did in that last series, where he could still pass and he was still dangerous, even though he couldn't move around too well. But I just think for the Avalanche, what brings them success is a, a fast pace, a tenacious forecheck, and a real strong scoring ability and threat. And if you don't, I mean, you have that even in the fourth line. So if you have a guy who's who's not that, I'm not sure that he's serving the purpose. All right, Ryan, let's fast forward to Game 2 happening on Saturday night. Obviously, we know how dominant Tampa Bay has been um, since the 2020 postseason. They are 17-1 and coming off a loss, and the only loss they had was against the New York Rangers in Game 2. And, oh, by the way, they lost that game, came back and won four straight to win that series. So what do the Avs need to do in Game 2 to go up 2-0? 
It's been interesting because you hear both teams talk about what they need to focus on and what they can control is what they do, and they're not worried about the other team. But I think they're, that's a, a little uh, hiding the fact that both of these teams are exceptionally impressive, and you can't, like you said, ignore the fact that Tampa is very good after a loss, and they're very good even down in a series. You can't count them out. Um, I've found it interesting that Bednar said he, he paid a lot of attention to how Toronto played against them. So he may have identified some weaknesses, but this is a, a smart coach in John Cooper and a very skilled and strong team and perhaps the best goaltender in the world. So if you're the avalanche, you have to double down on what you did right. And you have to find a way to create space for Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Uh, Jared Bednar switched his power play up a little bit and some of the positioning, and I don't think it worked very well for the Abs in that game. There's a, an opportunity where I think Miko would have scored on the back door on a power play, but it was Lane Descog over there. You know, the, the things that got you to this point in the season, you need to go back to and, and fall back on and allow them to, to happen and take this team to the cup or not. It's interesting to me that he's still willing to experiment he had said one point to coming down the stretch, he wanted to experiment to see what he had. Well, this is kind of the period that that was designed for, to see what you have, how you can adjust deep in the playoffs. And he's still, as you mentioned, he's still kind of tinkering. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. I think each team poses a different threat. And the, to me, the thing that makes Tampa so dangerous is that the way that they've handled different teams and different good teams on their side. I don't think the Avalanche faced a similar challenge outside of maybe St. Louis. That was probably the best team they faced. You know, we got to be honest in that Nashville wasn't there, had to battle really hard to make the playoffs and, and got steamrolled. And their more goalie, or less. And their goalie yeah, third. third string. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Third string goalie. And then, you know, I no no disrespect to Mike Smith, but um, he's a wildly unpredictable goalie that at times can do too much. I think, and his unconventional nature is part of a dying breed. You know, one with Mark Andre Fleury, where they're not these textbook, you know, form-based guys. And so, I'm not sure that Ottawa or Edmonton, sorry, stood much of a chance against the Avalanche. And then. You've got St. Louis, that's the best fight they faced, mm-hmm. and even they were without their starting goaltender for most of the series. So, you know, I think there's a real challenge being presented here against a team that can be a bit of a chameleon. Saturday's a jam-packed day with the morning skate and the availabilities after and Eric Goodman's wedding and all of that. So what's coming up? Are you going to be able to do the Saturday hockey show on Mile High Sports Radio at noon? We are planning on it with Danny. I think we've been, JJ, my partner, and I have been tossing back and forth whether we want to try and do it at noon or do it at 1 because 1 o'clock gives us more time to get there, but it gives us less time afterward, right? Yeah. But we're in the process of trying to lock up guests right now, and we've got a a lot of international and national media to schmooze and try to get on the show, and I I may try and get a a former Stanley Cup champion of the Avalanche on as well. Nice. I've been uh, holding off making that phone call. Well, thanks, Ryan. We'll uh, keep us updated on who who it's going to be, and uh, it'll be fun to listen. Yeah, I will do so. Well, thanks, Ryan Bolden of NHL.com, Colorado Hockey Now, and Mile High Sports Saturday Noon Hockey Show. He also raises his hand emphatically and gets in a lot of questions. And it's kind of, uh, that's a real fun experience we can talk about. Let's do it. Another day. So we'll be right back after this.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm Terry Fry, and Eric Goodman's taking a couple of days off, and I'm with former Montbello Warrior and Colorado Buffalo Justin Adams, utility man at News 4, as a news and sports anchor and reporter. You know, the highlight of our appearances so far has been you singing the CU fight song. <laughs> yes. Can you, do, you, do you know the Montbello Warrior fight song? We don't have a fight song, man. You know, it's funny. We don't even have a school, well, <laughs> technically. That is going, yeah, Montbello's it's coming back. through a comeback. Yes, it's coming back next year. So uh, great to see it. Spoke with the principal um, and also several other the uh, different um, administrators there at Montbello. We are so excited about it. I'll come through with the... Uh, a Montbello shirt tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna do that for you, Terry. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna sport that thing. It now that's it's long sleeve. Then I'll wear my Wheat Ridge Farmers Wind. I like it. You know the problem is if you wear something on the show, right? They realize you didn't turn it back in. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> hey, right. hey, Fry. That's right. All right, so I'll do that. I'll bring my Montbello gear. You I'll, bring your Wheat Ridge gear. We'll go from there. I'm the only person in the world who who is a Letterman uh, athlete. For, as an axman, A X E M A, South Eugene axman, okay, and a Wheat Ridge farmer. So we're moving to Denver, Justin. My dad's becoming offensive line coach of the Broncos. He had been head coach at the University of Oregon. So I'm excited. I'm moving to the big city. Yeah. And my dad comes home and he says, "Yeah, we found a house." And I said, "Well, where am I going to high school?" He says, "Son, you're going to be. A, I'm moving to the big city. I'm yeah. so excited. Son, you are going to be a Wheat Ridge farmer." <laughs> So I was depressed for about two days, oh, and then I walked really? in. I had a great time in my year and a half at Wee Ridge, and met a lot of people who are my friends Wait. to this day, including uh, that pitcher, baseball pitcher, yeah. Dave Logan. Wait, so where was the Broncos facility? Because obviously, in Logan, it wasn't at Dove Valley. No, Fifty Eighth in Logan, and it turned out to okay. There's a lot of suspicion that that the 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 turf there, the ground there, was uh, caused had cancerous elements that caused some problems. For coaches and players in later years. Excuse me. Yeah. The f- how? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell you. No. What? To- toxic land out there in Adams, unincorporated. Oh no no Adams no no. County. Was that more so like they dumped? Um, it could be like wasted. Okay okay yeah. that makes sense. Hey, same thing happened in Montbello too. Yeah, just right north. Okay, that makes sense. So you, you know you have talked to. I was going to show off some. Uh, Do it, man. My credential collection. Do it. I have a big box with credential collections. They're all. They're also on my website. If you look there, uh, pictures of them, uh, so you can see all the things I covered. But here's the press credential. You see how they kind of changed over the years. Press credential from the 1996 Stanley Cup Finals. Nice. Press, press credential from the second time the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, 2001 Stanley Cup Finals. Nice. They finally got around to putting your picture on it. Yeah, there you go. And nice then, pick, by the way. And man. then this this is the current one. So you can see the difference, a little the sophistication. That's not my question, though. Okay, what's your question? Why do you have Game 7 of the 1992 no, 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 NBA Finals? you got to give me time to explain oh, that. Oh, you got to explain that In fact, that I'm going to turn to you. Okay. Uh, tell, tell the audience about... The basketball game 
that was pivotal in your decision yeah, to become a, become a journalist. Game one of the 1992 NBA Finals um, just brings chills to my bones to even talk about it. Michael Jordan hitting six three-pointers in the first half, and I knew at that moment that I would never be Michael Jordan. I'm six years old. I mean, my, my, my nose is right at the TV screen. You know, the bubble TVs, yeah. right? And so, but I, but I heard Marv Albert, and I was like, wait, I want to be that guy. I want to be Marv Albert. I didn't know exactly it was Marv Albert, but I just wanted to be him. And so that really um, just got that fire burning into me ever since I was six years old and have a love for broadcasting. And now I've been blessed to be at CBS4 and play by play with the Pac-12 network. And so we're looking to do more. Well, I was the, I was about six feet from Michael Jordan when he went like this. I yeah. Was covering that game. Shrug game. A sports columnist for the uh, Oregonian in mm-hmm. the 19, 1992 NBA Finals. And they, as you know, the series did not go seven games. Exactly. So I had I have an extra nineteen a extra credential from Game Seven of the nineteen ninety two <laughs> NBA Finals. The game was never played because the the Bulls won it. I'm pretty sure in six. Yeah, they won it in six. So here, my present to you. Thank you. you nice. See if you can get steam. Oh, bad. See if you can steam off the. Bar. Maybe I could. Maybe I could get it to Game Seven in, uh, at Golden State. It, it what do you think? Work. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that might work. It should work. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmeurosport.com. We started the show with you going on a rant about FIFA's lack of... Yes! Or FIFA's decision to not include Denver Denver among the host cities for the night for the World Cup. This pains me, y'all. This is painting me. But something man. else I know we've talked about it in the break. Yeah. Something else has really ticked you off. Yeah. And that's about the Broncos field day. You know, <laughs> I think you know that anybody you know that anybody with a brain understands what a stupid decision it was for um, Nathaniel Hackett to emulate Vic Fangio. We we sat there and belittled Vic Vic Fangio for turning oh, the third day man. of camps in a, a mandatory into a fun field day. And you know, we should do the same thing for Nathaniel Hackett. If he if he did the same thing, and so I know I know you're angry about this. So I no. know you I know you're angry that Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> called off called off the the, the hard work day uh, and uh, held a field. I, I know you hated that. No, no, as not a, at all. As a hardcore fo- former football <laughs> player, I know you you would hate how silly it was to uh, have a field day. Yeah, the only thing that's silly is that this has actually become a topic of conversation. Um, the reality is this: one day of work in helmet and shorts does not equate to wins on a football field. You know what does? Actually having talent, that equates to wins on a football field. You mean like a quarterback? Yeah, because the last six years you didn't have one. And so you could talk about all the field days and all this other stuff as you want. The reality is if you don't have that guy, it doesn't matter. And oh, by the way, your quarterback is going to be having practices with your wide receivers and tight ends anyway. Because he already showed that. Russ already did that earlier this year. And we all know that he's going to do it again, have his little passing camp or whatever, right before training camp. So you get all the different things out. Um, and if the offense isn't flying on all cylinders all day one, trust me, it won't be because of a third day of mini camp that you didn't attend. I'll actually concede most of those points. The point I won't concede is we belittle Vic Fangio. Doing the same we thing. did belittle him. We did. And I just think that's that's a little uh, contradictory. Well, Vic didn't really help himself out, man. I mean, uh, to, to be honest. But I, I, I remember when 
I, I don't remember exactly the t- the timetable and your mm-hmm. your involvement in this. When 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 were you? Two thousand four through two thousand six. So two so years you, of Gary Barnett, one year of Hawkins. So you you did not you did not participate in the Rick Neuheisel program. No, re- man. But I remember when he was absolutely belittled for taking the players on like like trips into the mountains and picnics <sighs> and that. have fun and bond I- that way. And it was just because the media didn't like Rick Neuheisel. No, they, they had nothing to do with the actual, the actual validity of going into the mountains, having fun, rafting, playing. And he played the guitar. My God, he played the guitar. Yeah. I mean, how dare he? You play better for your teammates when you know something about them, when you have that camaraderie. That's why the huddle is so important. We forget about that. We forget about the importance of a huddle, the importance of 11 people. They don't have huddles anymore. Well, well you know that, too. Uh, shoot. Go back to the huddle. But when you do get together, especially in a game of football, you have guys of different ethnicities, different uh, nationalities. You have people who um, you know, are Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, right? You have all these other different individuals. But what they're doing is they're going after one goal, and that's to move this football down the field to get it to the end zone or on the other side to stop the other team from scoring. And that's the beautiful thing about the game of football. So, look, here's the thing. Every team needs those times to get together, to be able to bond as a team. Um, And when you don't have those moments, and when it's just a job, you don't do too well on the field. So you want to be able to build that camaraderie. That's why you have things like the no-fly zone, right? Those guys are still, years afterwards, on the phone talking to one another uh, because football's a short game. Football, your lifespan in the game of football is so short, you have to maximize it all. And so whenever you have an opportunity to be able to bond as a team, you got to do so. Justin, do you remember when marijuana possession and sports gambling were illegal? Yep. And there was this thing called, uh, let me explain this to you, yes. ticket scalping, which is me, which meant <laughs> selling tickets for above face value. That was illegal. We'll talk about that after. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Terry Fry and Justin Adams here. We're coming down the home stretch. And, uh... Hmm. You, you can still reach us at milehighsports.com or or through the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry and at Justin Adams TV, and it, we would be we would be glad to hear from you uh, after the show too. And you can text us at 303-831-1340. We'll be here tomorrow again, and uh, maybe you will have calmed down about the FIFA rejection. I mean, I am. I'm, uh... Oh God, I just opened the door again. Yeah, just yeah. We'll we'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be okay tomorrow. Okay. Ugh. Time now for what's trending. What's trending? Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda, or find them at sthmazda.com. Justin, last night there was a lot of visual and anecdotal evidence that a, lo- uh, a stunning number of 
people in the in the arena for game one of the Stanley Cup final mm-hmm. had purchased their tickets through the resale market. And so there were season ticket holders looking around and saying, who are these people? Never seen you before. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm seriously wondering what the percentage is. You know, we've all, we live in a different world now. I think they're saying the cheapest, the cheapest resold ticket in the house for game one was said to be about $600 in the nosebleeds. So I'm, I was left wondering what percentage of the fans in the house were on tickets still in, in control of the original buyers. I'm thinking pretty low percentage. Yeah, very because low. Because you could get a lot of money for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm asking you, Justin, would you hold on to your tickets and go, or would you resell Would you resell for one or more of the possible four, four home games in the finals? The Avalanche folks, of course, rave about how the crowd was great all year. But isn't this a significantly different crowd we're seeing now? It is a little bit, but also at the same time, you have a lot of ticket uh, not ticket sales. You have a lot of us. These are ticket holders who are there. And so, but the, the team's also facilitated. Right. You, you can right. actually resell tickets on the team side. Yeah. But do you know what? I, it used to be called scalping. It used to be called that. But you know what? To be very honest with you, I don't mind it. And this is why. If you could be able to make back your buddy, and you really don't want to go for whatever reason. Broncos fans do it too. And they do it all the time. Um, and they almost got themselves in trouble <laughs> because of that. But if that's something that you don't want to do, they don't go. Sell your tickets, move on. Um, make up your money, and then you can make back. Right, right. The cheapest ticket right now for game two, for example, $688, right? Mm-hmm. That's for a pair of tickets. Nosebleeds, by the way, right? Yeah. So you add those up, about 13 honey, you know, you'll be able to take that home a little bit over 1300 and you could pay for your season tickets, not only for the rest of this year, but maybe even next year. Right. Yeah. And you still have a couple of games. We both believe that this series is going to be long, at least six, maybe seven seven games. Right. So you'll be able to see game five. And if it comes back to a game seven, you'll be able to see that too. Well, the other thing that happened yesterday was uh, NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman and deputy commissioner, Bill Daly held their kind of state of the league news conference at, at game one of the finals. And they, they went through a lot of things like revenue and the, and the success of the television contract. It, it really has been almost a seamless blending of the NHL into ESPN and, and uh, ABC. Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of interesting because they've managed to do it to carry both NBA and NHL on TNT also. Yeah, on t- which has been great. The NHL I contract love. also includes the also includes TNT. I love TNT's coverage. They're doing a pretty good job yeah. there. And uh, they're, so they're talking about increased revenue and how it will look under the salary cap terms moving forward. But w- I thought it was really interesting, though, that Bill Daly confirmed that regardless of what happens, the Stanley Cup won't be going to Russia in the offseason. It's the league's response to the invasion of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think- so, in other words, if, if uh, Val Nachushkin mm-hmm. is on a championship team Raises hoists the cup. Uh, he will not be allowed to take it home to Russia, uh, in if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'd want to or not. We don't know that situation. But so the NHL has stepped up and said that the cup will. The tradition of players taking the cup to their homeland, showing it off, uh, having having good times with family, friends, countrymen. That's not going to happen in this offseason. So Val Nichushkin will be in the. Uh, Sad position of not being able to show off the cup. Yeah. Do you think the NHL is doing the right thing here? Sure. I mean, you know, the NHL has the right to shoot. The NHL could say, we'll keep it in America, for goodness sakes, right? Or keep it in Canada. But uh, no, it is, um, 
it's a very touchy issue everywhere around, obviously with that with the war in Ukraine. Um, and so one of the things is it could be for the safety of the individuals like Valdachuskin, even though he's going back to Russia, if, if he did have the option to be able to do so, could be for his safety, could be for the safety of the carriers for the Stanley Cup. Uh, but it's also the NHL making a stand that they're against the war um, in Ukraine. And so that's I, the way I, that they're I, doing so. I do think the NHL could could have been more demonstrative and ad, adamant about what's going on over right, there. Right, but, right, right. But we'll leave that there. Yeah. yeah. You know, on a, on a fun, more fun topic, um, the other element involved in the uh, game game one festivities yesterday was, was the uh, – party at the Tivoli Quad. Ooh. We had seen so many other teams sh- with showings outside their arenas, the mm-hmm. fans, the, the immediate cut to the fans when the, when their team scored. Right. So we finally saw that with Avalanche in the Tivoli Quad, but it was just a mess there. <laughs> uh, getting in and out. And I'm, you know, there was a SRO deal in the sense that it was literally standing room only. You couldn't bring in a right. blanket. You couldn't nope. bring in a chair. No chairs, nothing. You, you just have to stand up. I, I'm wondering if the if the if the joy and fun of that wore off. I'd be interested to hear from people. Danny, did you have any friends who went? I did have a group of friends that was there on the Tivoli quad, and I mean, I think it's a it's a young fans game to yeah, do to do those kind of events. You got to have the energy so to then be Justin standing and out I there. I should have been there. You absolutely should have been there, but I think you have a responsibility, Terry, to be in the building. Right. So um, I was thinking about going to meet up with them. I didn't get out of here until well into the second period. Otherwise, I probably would have gone down there. But once I started thinking about it with the third period about to start and having to try to find parking downtown and then walk myself over there, um, I ended up not going, but I might go if they do that again throughout the rest of the cup, I might try to make it down there for, for one of the games. Well, it'll be there at game two. So, uh, it'll be right back at the, at the quad. I may be there, uh, but this is kind of the thing that you have to think about. And Terry, you know about this. You have an assignment editor who's going to send you. Well, that too. But when you're, when you're a dad, oh yeah, <laughs> you don't want your three-year-old just running around all the place. You want to, you want him to be in a place where he can sit and relax and also, it's going to be hot, man. It's going to be 90-plus degrees and 40% chance of thunderstorms are sounding so much like an anchorman right now. But um, <laughs> it's just the reality of the situation. So I think Danny said it right. It is a young man's game. And so uh, some will definitely go there for the feel. Others, like myself, probably will go to a restaurant. <laughs> so we have people paying like $1,400 for an average That's seat. That's crazy. For an average seat in the arena. That's crazy. Or maybe they... Maybe uh, they have friends and family or friends over in the mosh pit. At, right, at, right, right, right. At the Tivoli Quad. Well, it's been been enjoyable, uh, Justin, and we're we're going to we have a little business left, but I just wanted to now say how much fun I've had today, and uh, I know it'll be a great day tomorrow. Oh yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, you know, Terry, I can't wait to preview Game Two. Um, hopefully, we'll have a Game Seven in the NBA Finals, and then believe it or not, Terry. After this, after the after this week, and then next week, I think what the the Stanley Cup final will at least go through June twenty June twenty eighth, right? So at least a week and a half. After that week and a half, we are we are look we are counting down to we football. Got, we season. got Rockies baseball. 
uh, we are counting down to football season. Okay, <laughs> Let, let's call it what it is. Rockies got swept by the Commanders, by the way. Okay, we are counting down to football season, so we have Guardians. four weeks to guard with Commanders, Guardians, whoever. Same thing. All right, but nobody cares about them. Nobody cares about the Rockies. Okay, so um, we're we're just a little bit around the corner. I mean, training camp starts for the Broncos July twenty seventh, and so Terry, man, I understand they have a new quarterback. That might be a little bit. He was at the game last night. Yes, he, he was. Sierra both. So is his wife. Ooh, Sierra. So, Danny, what do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? U.S. Open kicked off today. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll also talk about a retirement in the world of basketball and what it means next. And uh, a big-time trade going on down in the state of Texas. That's all coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Adams and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry coming down the stretch with Terry Fry and Justin Adams. Eric Goodman is off getting married this weekend. So married. Again, so again, our best wishes to him and and all involved, and uh, we know it's going to be a great time. Yeah, did you get Eric a, a gift, a wedding gift? Yeah. You got him something? I, I got him one of those gift cards. Did you? Yeah, I know, that's kind of tacky. Yeah, I, I didn't get him anything, so. Well. You know, candlesticks are always nice. That Good point. You're filling in for him today and tomorrow. That's, that's right. That, you know, yeah. Come on, I man. got you. Daddy, that's what so, you know, we were talking about the the, the good job that, AB, that ABC yeah. jumping into the you know, it used to be that NBC kind of wedged the Stanley Cup Finals into, into like periods where the ratings didn't matter and didn't care. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, and and it was on NBC. The NHL was on NBC Sports or the Outdoor Network or whatever. whatever USA it was called at the time. <laughs> so I think they're doing a better. ESPN Hockey used to be really good over the years, but that that was a, a era that passed too. Gary Thorne and people and Doc Emmerich, and in those days, but. But, you know, they're back on they're back on ESPN, they're back on TNT, and they're back on ABC. And or they are on ABC. So, you know, we were wondering during the break, I wonder if anybody was watching that game last night. Is there any way we could find out? Well, I got the answers for you right here. Okay, Stanley Cup Finals viewership numbers. 4.2 million viewers average around the country. That's up 161% from game one of last year's Stanley Cup final. And peak viewers, 4.7 million watching game one. So really good to be able to see that. Uh, a lot of people had a chance to catch that game. It was fun to see it, and hopefully uh, there'll be more people tuning in. You, you get the feeling that of Denver being on the international stage of, of the guy, I wonder what everybody thinks of yeah. us. And- well, you know, I mean, FIFA could have just totally watched that last <laughs> night. They would have been like, yeah, that's what we need to have it. But no, they said they needed to be in Kansas City because Arrowhead Stadium is so just the technology there. Are you it's so up this? to date. Are you going to be over this by tomorrow? I, I mean, I'll, be, uh, I'll be over it later on. I, I promise I will. But I still cannot believe that you picked Kansas City over Denver. Okay. Are you kidding me? Either be over it by tomorrow or I'm going to make you sing all the small things <laughs> covering Blink-182. 
So, Danny, <laughs> well, Danny, what do we have in the Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? The final word. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, the U.S. Open began today. and uh, I missed it. Well, that's all right. <laughs> Not a big deal. Uh, Rory McIlroy motivated to win his first major in eight years, coming off his win at the Canadian Open. He shot a three under 67 today. I know Eric is a big golfer. Terry and Justin, do you guys like to golf? Uh, Putt-putt. Does that count? That does count, okay. absolutely. And I am a mean putt-putt golfer, baby. I threw away my clubs and retired several years ago because I just got so frustrated that I couldn't get any good at the game. You have to invest so much time in it, and I wasn't getting any better. It is a very frustrating game. I've uh, broken some clubs. There lost you some go. Clubs, I, but I, I, I haven't. I haven't put them down with Atta, the intention to not pick them up yet. Atta boy, Danny. Um, I, I get out there every once in a while with some friends, and we whack the ball around, and you just hope for a couple good shots a day. That's you know? all it is. You're just out there hanging with the boys, taking in some nature, fresh air, sunshine, and uh, walking around a nice, nicely landscaped area for a couple hours. I'm That's all it really is. I'm wondering if Rory McIlroy is being looked at differently by his contemporaries now after his public comments the last couple Ooh. weeks. Well, there are some people from the Live Golf Tour who are playing in the U.S. Open. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's um, talked to them. I don't know. Uh, Rory currently tied for second. The leader right now, Adam Hadwin, oh, minus of four. Of course. The Canadian bloke. So after Rory won the Canadian Open, maybe that gave Canada a little motivation to come down here and try to win the U.S. Open. He was go. rooting for the Oilers in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> I would imagine he was. <laughs> yep. Uh, just in case you missed it, 12-time All-Star, 8-time All-WNBA guard Sue Bird yeah. has announced this will be her final season. She is the WNBA All-Time Assists Leader. A few years ago, Sue Bird was a basketball operation associate with the Denver Nuggets in the front office. What happened to that? Well, as this is going to be her last year on the court, do you expect the next chapter of Sue Bird's career to involve a front office role with an NBA or WNBA team? Do you think she'll go into coaching, or do you think maybe she's going to try out the media? I would think it, she would be a uh, an executive in the NBA. Bring her to the Nuggets ASAP. I would love to see Sue Bird here. Obviously, anytime you have a basketball mind, it is a beautiful thing to have, especially with this team. Bring in a breath of fresh air. She already knows the Mile High City will be a great addition to the Nuggets. And the last time she was working with the team, she did work closely with Calvin Booth. There you go. Who is now the GM. So I hope she comes back, too. I'm a big Sue Bird fan. She's, like you said, Justin, great basketball mind, great personality, and just having uh, those kind of accomplished championship mentality people in the building. Mm -hmm. Never a bad thing. I see a title of, like, vice president of basketball operations. That would be awesome for her. I'll take it. She's great. Yeah. Just in case you missed it. Christian Wood, who averaged 18 points, 10 rebounds for Houston last season, has been traded to the Mavericks for the number 26 pick in the 2022 draft, as well as Boban Marjanovic, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, and Sterling Brown. So four players and a pick going to Houston, one player coming to Dallas. Luke and the Mavs got to the Western Conference Final this year. 
Does the addition of the former UNLV big man give Luka Doncic enough help outside of the role players who stepped up in these playoffs to get to the NBA Finals, or does Dallas still need a couple more pieces? I think it'll help, but it won't be a complete difference maybe. Dallas is, uh, they'll be a lot better, but they're not better than the Clippers when they're healthy. They're not better than the Nuggets when they're healthy. And so it just is what it is. It was their time this year to get to the Western Conference Final, but what happened when they got there? (laughs) They lost in five. So, look, Christian Wood will help out immensely, especially with Luka, who is a ball-dominant guard. But at the end of the day, you need some more talent, especially to beat Golden State, who most likely will win the world championship. Just in case you missed it, I know you guys mentioned this in the last segment, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to try to shine a positive light on the uh, hometown MLB team. Okay. (laughs) They did, as you pointed out, Justin, lose three in a row to the Cleveland Guardians at Coors Field. They they also lost to the Washington Commanders. They probably (laughs) would lose to the Washington Commanders. I think with 53 guys on the roster, you probably field a decent baseball team. They don't have a very good bullpen, though. But uh, any bright spots with the 27-37 Rockies so far this season? Uh, The the party deck is operating fully. (laughs) I think they have televisions where you can watch the Stanley Cup final. (laughs) If they can just get their pitching back on track, it's been been such a roller coaster. In all seriousness, I think they can be an entertaining team. And that's really all you need when you go out to the ballpark because your hopes aren't very high. I think one of the players, Kinley, he uh, he's out for the year with an elbow injury, and that's a huge, um, huge loss, especially to the bullpen. Um, I mean, it's it's Brandon Rogers is really the bright spot for this team. He was the player of the week last week. Um, he's starting to hit the ball at three home run games. Yeah, but he's starting to become the player that we all thought he would be. Uh, one of the main reasons why DJ Lemayhu. Uh, was it resigned? Well, he was, was built as mistake. their top prospect for a long well, time. Well, you, you could build it as much as you want. I built it as a mistake, and it's finally started to look at least good now for Brendan Rodgers. But other guys have to step up. Ryan McMahon, your average has to get up. And by the way, have you have you guys heard of Chris Bryant? Because I don't know, man. Somebody <laughs> sent an APB out for him because I haven't seen him in a Rockies uniform. Well, I've seen like him wearing an avalanche contract. sweater. Well. He, you know what? On Twitter. Is that laced to a whole lot of dollars? Because that's exactly what he has right now. It should be stitched up with all the monies that he's making right now. I actually thought the Chris Bryant signing was a positive move. and I, I hope he can get well. I hope he can contribute. It would, it would at least make the trip to the ballpark yeah. a little more worth it. But you, you know, at, at this second, that Chris Bryant move is about as bad as FIFA not picking Denver to be at the World Cup. Come on, FIFA! So if the Avalanche lose game two, how will that rank with the FIFA decision? I don't know, man. Just, we got to move on to tomorrow, man. Just let's move on. Let's okay, just that was, feel better. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. God, FIFA. Well, no. well, we'll be back here tomorrow. We'll solve more problems in the world. We'll look ahead <laughs> to game two of the, West, of, the National, of the Stanley Cup final. And... I, I I think moving forward, the, the big thing on Saturday is going to be whether the Avalanche can maintain the momentum. Yes, yes. Uh, I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I think that the, my prototype going into the series was they would split these first two games. Mm-hmm. They would split the next two in Tampa, mm-hmm. and then it's a best in three best of three series with the Avalanche having home ice. Uh, I agree with you. We'll talk all about it tomorrow because I'm excited for it. Terry, we're going to have a lot of fun, man. One more day, huh? Yeah. Let's you know, and it. tomorrow at one point, I want to talk about your passion for the history of the Denver White Elephants. Oh, baby. For two writers, oh. we need we need to talk about our Oh, man. Look, let me tell you, okay, as a promotion for that, 
you want to stick around for that. It's a huge, 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 uh, just a piece of my heart. Um, absolutely love that. I cannot wait to talk about it tomorrow. Okay, looking forward to it. Thanks, Danny. We appreciate Good the work. Good show, gentlemen. We'll see you, see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. <laughs>